Today's episode is sponsored by ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, like tedious commutes to work or dealing with your annoying boss. But when it comes to your health, there is no compromise. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on their crossword puzzles, even though they're available right now or they take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. So there's literally no compromises here because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. I use ZocDoc and you should too. Go to ZocDoc.com RS and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash R-S. ZocDoc.com slash R-S. Today's episode is sponsored by Adam and Eve. You know, I read so many stories about cheating partners and unhappy marriages. Maybe people wouldn't be in such unhappy relationships if they spent more time nurturing their love life. That's why you should check out today's sponsor, Adam and Eve. They've got toys for men, toys for women, and toys for... How should I put this? Well, it's not exactly r slash am I the butthole, more like r slash I'm in the butthole. And yeah, I realize that ordering adult toys can be a little scary because you may be concerned about privacy. Don't worry, Adam and Eve offers discreet and free shipping for your package. Trust me, these people are experts in your package. You can get 50% off on just about any item, along with free shipping and rush processing. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy or anything you desire. Then enter code r slash at checkout. That's r slash, R-S-L-A-S-H at adamandeve.com. This is an exclusive offer specific to this podcast, so be sure to use code r slash to get your discount, plus 100% free shipping, and get it fast with rush processing. Use code r slash. Welcome to r slash pro revenge, where OP goes absolutely scorched earth. Our next Reddit post is from Revenge Served Cold. I met my ex in 2012, right after I just turned 30. I had only dated and been with women exclusively until I came out as bisexual at 28. Let's just say that the year that I was 29 was a busy year, making up for what I missed out on. It was mostly casual hookups, and I did try dating two different guys for a few weeks, but it just never worked out or got serious. I kind of figured that I'd probably end up marrying a woman or just not getting married at all because I just didn't see myself catching romantic or sexual feelings for a guy. Then I met Ryan. From the first date, it was just like the only other time in my life that I'd fallen in love. Butterflies, constantly thinking about him, and wanting to spend every moment with him. He fell for me hard too, and we became an item, though he did say that while he considered my bisexuality a turn-on because he had a thing for straight guys, it also gave him pause because of my desires for the opposite sex and his concern that it might lead me astray. I thought about it and understood that it was a legitimate worry, but I assured him that I couldn't even think about anyone else because I was really into him. On our first date, he admitted to me that he was legally blind due to a genetic disorder and that it was progressive and eventually he would only have a sliver of his peripheral vision. He immediately said that he understood if I didn't want to see him again because no other guy had wanted to date him and be his driver all the time. I grew up with a brother in a wheelchair who never learned how to walk or talk, so I told him that and I said that what my brother had was a severe disability. 
So in my perspective, my boyfriend's blindness had no effect on my feelings and that always being his driver was a small sacrifice to be with him. The following years were bliss. We brought out the best in each other. My family, who was surprised but very supportive when I came out, adored Ryan and treated him like family and said that I acted happier ever since we'd been together. When I met Ryan, he was working part-time in retail because he had done very poorly in high school, because he lost a lot of his confidence as his vision deteriorated. I told him the one thing I did insist on was that he do something with his life because he had too much to offer and that I would help. He said that he wanted to be a teacher, but he didn't think that someone with limited vision could teach. Nonsense. So I put him through community college for two years, then two and a half years of a local university, and finally the one-year teaching certification program as required by California. I drove countless miles and paid hundreds in public transportation costs for him, never blinking an eye or complaining. At this point, we had been together for seven and a half years, and we were engaged to be married in October. He was in his final semester of his teaching certification, which required him to teach at his former high school alongside his favorite teacher from back when he was in school. Then the pandemic hit and schools closed. On the third day of COVID quarantine, my life crumbled when I innocently found out that he had cheated on me with an ex, all because he handed his phone to me to show me something on Instagram. I accidentally hit the back arrow when he gave it to me and I saw the list of all of his messages. I recognized the name of his ex as the second message, dated a week ago. I clicked on it and my heart sank. There were directions to my house, pictures, dirty talk, and Ryan reassuring his ex not to worry about me because he had my location on Find My Friends just in case I came home from work. I immediately started screaming, demanding to know everything, and he admitted to having his ex over twice for passionate hugging and that they did not use protection. By the way, his ex was engaged to his girlfriend during this time, which adds another victim. Then, he admitted to sleeping with his straight, but curious, recently single cousin, by marriage, twice, again with no protection. Finally, he admitted to sleeping with a supposedly straight guy that he and many of his cousins went to school with. And I had told Ryan that I really didn't like this guy or want them talking because I didn't trust him after what I'd read about him. The reason was after high school at the age of 20, this guy was convicted of sexual assault and penetration with a foreign object against a 16-year-old girl. And he had gone to jail and was required to register as a sex offender for life. All of this cheating happened in my home while I was working. We spent the whole weekend crying with me asking over and over why and him repeatedly crying and saying that he just didn't know and that he felt terrible. Eventually, my anger starts to overcome my sadness and I made a comment that I was going to pull all the phone records going back three years because AT&T keeps the records. Once he heard me say that, he admitted to one more guy. It was some random guy named Frankie off a grinder whom he hooked up with casually over two years. Get this, the day after his graduation in May of 2018, he was drunk from celebrating and wanted to passionately hug. I had been celebrating with him and I said that I was too drunk to perform and I'd make it up to him the next day. Then I passed out asleep on the couch. Apparently, he was angry horny, so he downloaded Grindr, chatted with Frankie, and arranged to passionately hug in his car in a church parking lot across the street from our apartment. 
which also happens to be across the street from the school, a fact that's important later. From then on, he would repeatedly hook up at Frankie at our apartment, using the excuse of homework or studying. I absolutely lost it. I told him to get into the car, and I drove him to his family house so that he could tell them what he did. That way, they would understand why he was moving back into their house. While he was talking to his family, I was in the driveway on the phone with AT&T ordering three years worth of calls and texts and making an appointment to be screened for sexually transmitted diseases. I suspended his cell phone service until he could figure out how to pay for his own damn phone. Then, I temporarily changed all of his passwords on his social media accounts that he cheated with. And I made sure that he couldn't hide any more evidence so that only I would have access to his cloud. We use shared passwords. I also called the bank and issued a stop payment on his final tuition check. Then, I took screenshots of all of his conversations and deleted his social media accounts. Then, I mailed the screenshots of these conversations to the girlfriend of the guy that he had been cheating with. Needless to say, she ended it and he got kicked out. That's one down. After he talked to his family, I drove him back home, took the house key from him, and told him to start packing. The entire time that he packed, I studied the phone records. Ryan answered every question I asked, and it was then that I discovered that he had passionately hugged the sex offender in that same parking lot. The wheels started turning, and the next day, I walked over to the church and, sure enough, spotted a camera. I spoke to the church secretary, a sweet old lady, and informed her about a registered sex offender passionately hugging in their parking lot and that it was not only a violation of his parole for indecent exposure, but that he was also not allowed to be that close to a school, and I provided the date of the incident. I was in luck! The church had the footage of the encounter. The church secretary saved the video file so that I could file a report with the police. Within a month, the sex offender was locked up again. Two down. I also filed a police report against this Frankie guy. The police said that it was a relatively minor infraction, but since it was across from a school playground and a skate park, they would follow up, but there would probably be no jail time. I researched the hell out of Frankie, and I called him to confront him. He was smug and admitted to knowing about me the whole time. What he didn't know is that I had found out that he had a job that required a security clearance, and he had several judgments against him, and collection agencies had been looking for him. I sent a letter to the collection agencies providing his employer and his current location, and his contact info. I also sent his job a copy of the police report where he pled guilty to indecent exposure next to a playground. His wages did get garnished, but only for two paychecks because the misdemeanor was enough for him to lose his security clearance and get fired. Three down. Then, I used Ryan's Facebook account to contact his mother to make sure that they knew that he had screwed his cousin. This information spread through the family like wildfire. And soon, his cousin was contacting me because he couldn't get a hold of Ryan to ask why he would reveal this information. I just laughed and said that you shouldn't screw your cousins, especially when they're engaged. I added that he shouldn't have messed around in my house, so now it was my turn for payback. Four down. Lastly, I had already stopped payment to the university, but since he was close to finishing it, I was sure that his family would bail him out and pay the university. Like I said, indecent exposure is usually a slap on the wrist type misdemeanor. 
However, I remembered some of the paperwork he signed had him be a mandated reporter and that he could lose teaching certification for documented acts of moral turpitude. I sent the university a copy of the police reports and a video of him having intercourse in the church parking lot. As a result, he lost his teaching credentials. Fifth and final loser down. Admittedly, I did all this out of anger, but Ryan shattered my sense of self-worth. And he made me incredibly bitter and untrusting after years of being generous and supporting him. I felt terrible going to the condo where the cheating had happened, so I sold it, making a nice profit. One thing that is sad that I found out is that his ex, the one whose fiancé dumped him, ended up committing suicide several months after I sold the apartment. It is unfortunate, but it's not my fault that he cheated on his fiancé by coming into my home at my fiancé's invitation to cheat. Damn, OP. Yo, don't ever cross this guy. OP is approaching Marvel supervillain levels of revenge in this post. Our next Reddit post is from I Love Boba. I was a Navy enlisted service member, and I was stationed in Yokosuka, Japan for a few years before I got transferred back stateside. I worked in the main hospital that cared for service members and their beneficiaries. It's a small hospital, so everyone knows everyone. Shortly after I left, I caught wind of a new physician officer working in the radiology department. My friends would tell me that he's horrible to work with, but that was nothing new. However, one of my friends saw this guy print a letter and he left it on his desk, and my friend took a picture of it and sent it to me. He was requesting to move from enlisted housing to officer housing. For context, military housing is available for those who are married, have a family, or are qualified based on their rank and depending on the military base itself. Typically, officer housing is much nicer than enlisted housing. In Yokosuka, housing is basically the same for everyone because it's overseas. But most of the housing are apartments, and each apartment complex is called a tower. For example, Fuji Tower. There were nine towers, and two of these were for officers, since enlisted members outnumber officers by a lot. Now, one thing about the military, stuff happens. When getting stationed, it's the active duty member's responsibility to either apply for housing on or off the base before arriving, depending on what's allowed. If there's limited space and you don't apply for housing on time, then you could put wherever there's space. So this new officer got placed in an enlisted tower. Mind you, enlisted members have families of their own, and other officers have lived in enlisted housing before without an issue. Here are some quotes in this guy's letter. And yeah, this guy is a doctor with a PhD. There's a lot of crime, violent actions, drug use, and alcoholism that happens in enlisted housing. There are also sexual assaults and other perverts. I have a good-looking family, a wife and two daughters, ages three and four. They are prime targets to be victims for these enlisted deviant activities. My family should be safe in housing that's with other officers. Officers are much more respectable, and these types of deviant activities are incredibly rare compared to the deviant activities of enlisted being commonplace. Other officer families won't want to visit us because our family lives in enlisted housing. My children need to make friends with other officers' children. My wife needs to make friends with other officers' wives. I need to make friends with other officers. Forcing an officer to live in a large apartment building with almost all enlisted is unethical. You get the idea. So this guy basically looks down on all the enlisted service members, assuming every single one are drug users, perverts, and criminals. 
And the kicker, this guy was an enlisted army member before going to officer school. So let me put this in civilian terms for you. Imagine that your manager calls you and all of your coworkers criminals, violent, alcoholics, perverts, drug users based on your job position. Never mind that some of you have family and, you know, maybe you're just not any of those things. And not only does this guy have the authority to ruin your work life, but he can ruin your personal life as well. Deny you days off, make you stay late, write you up if he doesn't like you, and not letting you get promoted. Safe to say, everyone was pissed, and I had nothing to lose. I was separating soon, and I figured I'd have some fun before I left. I created a burner Facebook account, and I posted the letter and the officer's picture on a popular military enlisted group page. Within two days, my post spread like wildfire, but I wasn't done yet. The military has this thing called challenge coins. Think of trading cards, but instead, custom coins that come in many shapes and sizes. I designed one with this guy's face and had a big middle finger on the back. On top of that, I designed stickers to show how proud us deviants are. Other coin designs came from other people as well, but so far, I think mine was the most popular. I sold over 70 coins to the initial person who originally sent me the picture at a huge discounted price. That way, she could sell them for a profit herself. So, this officer's face was everywhere because most people keep their coins displayed on their desk. No matter where this officer went when he was at work, he would see his face on someone else's desk. <laughs> and since I didn't have this guy's name on the coin, you couldn't officially say that it was him. I sold some more stateside, and I even got some sent to Europe. I made about $3,000 overall, which was nice. The story even got featured on the online naval newspaper and on two now three popular YouTube channels. And if you're military, you know the only time that big military cares is when something gets too big to sweep under the rug. The story got the officer sent up to Captain's Mast, which is kind of like court for the Navy. He tried to say that his wife was the one who wrote the letter, but no one was buying it because her writing style is way worse. She even tried to take the fall, but no one believed her. They both ended up deleting all their social media. Due to this, he got served three UCMJ articles, which are basically offenses. But there's more! When you're in the military, you have a deadline on how long you can be at a certain rank. If you don't increase your rank, then you're kicked out. And because he's new and he got served UCMJ articles, he won't be up for promotion and therefore was involuntarily separated. Also, the officer program he went through pays for his PhD. When the military pays for your PhD, you have to serve 10 years to pay them back. If you don't complete all 10 years, you have to pay the military back with money instead of time. So he lost his job and now he has to pay back the military for his PhD. And since it takes a while for the paperwork to have him and his family sent back stateside, you can bet he socially suffered because no one wanted to work with him. Also, OP posted an edit. The hatchet became a symbol of enlisted deviance because in this guy's letter, he said that two gangs were attacking each other with hatchets and other weapons at the enlisted housing unit. Also, out of curiosity, I looked up the average cost of medical school to become a doctor, and according to Google, it is $218,000. So, presumably, that's approximately how much this guy had to pay back the military because he got fired. 
So <laughs> down in the comments, there's a bunch of military people commenting on this. And apparently it got so famous within the U.S. military that people started sharing hatchet-wielding deviant memes. People, <laughs> people cracking jokes, like posting pictures of hatchets saying, y'all got your hatchets, you deviants. And people replying, is it time for the quarterly hatchet fight already? That was our slash pro revenge. And if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.